How on earth is it already the end of the regular season? But here we are, the second Duke and Carolina rivalry matchup of the season. John Shire's first game inside the Dean Smith Center as the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. It is going to be epic. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this crossover episode of Locked On Blue Devils and Locked On Tar Heels. He's JJ Jackson. I'm Isaac Shade, and we are excited to be here with you, bringing all this great content to wrap up the regular season. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com/lockedon today to get started. So here's where we're going on this episode. Uh, We'll start by talking about the Duke side of things. I'll pepper away JJ a little bit. Then we'll turn the tide. He'll ask me about the Tar Heels. And then we're going to get you all set up and ready for this regular season finale that essentially feels just like last year in a different venue. So, JJ, here's where I'm at with Duke right now. Earlier this season, I was saying that Virginia was playing the best basketball in the ACC. And then it switched to Miami. And I was like, dude, the Canes, they're going to win this thing. Right now, to me, Duke is playing the best basketball in the ACC. Are you on board with that? Yeah, I think that's totally fair to say, Isaac. I think you look at the five-game winning streak that Duke is on right now. They're playing their best ball at the right time of year. It is the longest winning streak in the conference. You mentioned that team in Virginia. Keep in mind, it could be and should be a six-game winning streak (laughs) right now for the Blue Devils had things in Charlottesville been a little different. That was so bad. That was terrible. Anyway, keep going. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, it's just they've started to figure it out. One, they've been healthy, right? They finally got Dariq Whitehead back from that injury he sustained uh, in Blacksburg in the game at Virginia Tech. He was a little injured out of the gates. Uh, And then two, now that everyone has been healthy and people's roles have been defined, right? You're seeing Tyrese Proctor as more of the lead guard ball handler, Duke utilizing Jeremy Roach as a primary scorer and then seeing Derek Lively, another guy injured out of the gates, but coming into his own. He was the absolute X factor and game changer in the first matchup when we did this locked on crossover prior to the game in Cameron. No one really anticipated that big of an impact from (laughs) Derek Lively, the second, but his play as of late is a massive reason why Duke has been so improved. It's really fun to watch him get more comfortable. For Carolina folks who haven't uh, followed Duke as much in the aftermath of that game, how exactly is uh, Derek Lively's impact? Has it been similar to where not scoring a ton? Like I've, I compared that yeah. performance to like an Anthony Davis in college performance where just dominated on the defensive side, but offensively was a work in progress. Is it kind of that same storyline for Dere- uh, for Derek? Excuse me. Exactly the same, Isaac. I mean, it, 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 there have been games, right? I think uh, last week he, he had the new career high of, of 13 points. Um, so, so nothing to, to necessarily write home about, but uh, has been that lob threat at the rim offensively. That's always going to be there, but not seeing much outside of it. It's hard to keep track at this point in the season, the number of field goals made that aren't dunks for Derek Lively the second, because that number is increasing, but still the overwhelming majority, 80% plus of made field goals for Derek Lively the second this season have been with two hands hanging on the rim 
after the fact with him slamming it home. So uh, that has been the offensive level that he's had, but it's been that constant impact defensively that's kept him on the floor and kept him making a big impact for the Duke team. You, you talked about the the cohesion that has come, kind of that that chemistry that's really been growing for Duke. What uh, I mean, are there other things outside of of getting healthy? Like, is it about you know, we often see this, I feel like, with Duke or Kentucky teams that as the season goes along and these freshmen get to know each other better, like you, you just start to see things click. Is it is it a lot of that kind of function yeah. of what it is? I think so. And I think it's I mentioned a little bit earlier, but roles have to be defined at some point. Right. Like with these guys and, and with a program like Duke, a program like Kentucky, you mentioned, Isaac, those two schools have always been one and two in the uh, recruiting rankings. And so. How do those freshmen all of a sudden step into the college game? Because you're not the best player on every single team and every single floor that you go into, even though you are one of the top recruits in the entire country. So Duke had to take a little bit of time to get those things kind of ironed out. And uh, once they were able to do that, though, yeah, there was no turning back whatsoever. One of the great storylines for Duke, at least this past week, has been that John Shire finished his first season as head coach with a perfect home record you know I mean just much has been made about that I mean what a, what a great accomplishment I'm, I know there's been some other struggles away from home and we can obviously talk about that but or um, just how big is it to have done to, to set such lofty expectations out of the gate holding serve there in Cameron Pretty awesome, man. It's the first time since 2014 that Duke has gone the entire season unbeaten at home and so a uh, long time since 2014 that that has been the case uh, for Duke you think about how great of a venue Cameron Indoor Stadium has been over the years but as of late not the case there have been some tough nights where teams have gone in and kind of given it to Duke so uh, for Shire as you said to hold serve at home has been awesome this year since we last spoke since that North Carolina victory inside Cameron Indoor Stadium by the way uh, we have also seen Coach K make his grand yes, return right. to Cameron Indoor. And I'll tell you what, I was shocked. I, I, I truly, based on what Coach K had said and kind of the vibe and the feel, I didn't think it would have been this year. I really did not think it would have been this first season that he returned. But I think um, that the fact that it was, <laughs> I'll throw Valentine's Day in there, right? And he had his wife, Mickey, his best friend in the world, joining him on Valentine's Day for a basketball game. And then uh, Mike Bray, his last game in Cameron Indoor as a Notre Dame head coach, former Duke assistant. I, I think he really wanted to be there for that event as well because, boy, you talk about those two guys working on the sideline together. Eight years together, Mike Bray and Coach K went to six Final Fours over that eight-year span. Unbelievable the success yeah. they had. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't think we'd see that Coach K reunion <laughs> there at home. But when he shows up, you know Duke's not going to lose. That's right. Uh, man, and congrats to Coach Bray, by the way, on winning his final home game yeah. at Notre Dame, uh, thwarting Pitt's shot to clinch at least a share of the ACC regular season title, and then hanging out, getting some drinks afterward. You love to see that. <laughs> also, I, I laughed so much that Coach K's first game back in Cameron was on Valentine's Day. It's like, Hey, Mickey, uh, you know, it's my, my first <laughs> Valentine's Day in literally decades that I'm free. You know what we should do? <laughs> We should go back to Cameron. Doesn't that sound like a great Valentine's? Like, That's I awesome. Yeah. At that. Such good stuff. Yeah. Uh, now, on the flip side of the home things, one of the storylines of this one, in looking at Duke's schedule, that five-game winning streak, 
they've been able to play four of the last five at home. It's been um, back to February 18th in the win over Syracuse since Duke took to the road. Um, I mean, is, is that part of any, anything that Coach Shire needs to be concerned about or talk about? I mean, obviously, when you're heading uh, the short drive over to Chapel Hill, like you don't have to get up for that. But it, do, it does change game day schedules and all that kind of stuff. And so how does that factor in here, JJ? One million percent. And again, we go back to those freshmen, right? Like these are the games that you want to play in when you go to a school like Duke, when you go to a school like North Carolina. This is the finest rivalry in all of college basketball no exceptions whatsoever, as we talk about. You want to play in games like this. But guess what? It's really difficult to go on the road and play in games like this because there are going to be 22,000 people there at the Dean Smith Center uh, that are going to be very much so anti-Duke for a two, two two-and-a-half-hour time period there. So how in the world is this team going to respond? That remains a big question. Yes, they're playing their best basketball of the year, but they haven't seen a road test like this this season playing in a game like this and against the North Carolina team, Isaac, that we're about to talk about here. That's got a lot to play for in punching their ticket to the big dance. Absolutely. They do. And that's a major storyline, certainly. And obviously we all remember that Duke and their freshmen handled that challenge quite well last season in the Dean Smith center. So we will turn our attention to that desperate North Carolina team in need of a second quad one victory. Although by the time you're watching or listening to this, Virginia might be outside the top 30 in the net and North Carolina, once again, has zero quad one victories, but we will find out. So we're going to turn the tables on that in just a second, but first, This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Hey, NBA is back from the All-Star break and games are going, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Why? Well, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three points drained to how many reviews we're going to get in this matchup game on Saturday night. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So do not miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn about it. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back in here to this Locked On crossover today. J.J. Jackson, the host of Locked On Blue Devils, alongside my pal Isaac Shade, the host of Locked On Tar Heels. Uh, Isaac, second time this season that we're seeing this big matchup, second time in John Shire's career that he's going to be head coach in this here rivalry. When you look back to that first meeting Hmm. between these two teams, Let's go back to the 1st of February for people. What really stood out? We talked about Derek Lively's impact on the basketball game, but looking back, Isaac, what was the difference in that one? You just named it. I think Derek Lively affected this game more than any other player on the defensive side of the ball. And you do not see many players in college basketball who are typically able to do that. For example, Armando Baycott finished six of 12 in the game, but I felt like the North Carolina guards became reticent to get him the ball. I thought Armando wasn't um, demanding the ball as much. And a lot of that was because of the impact of Derek Lively. Now, I will say, and I think the Carolina fan base would say some of that they felt like there was a lot of contact that maybe went uncalled in that game. I think 
you know, one of the storylines was obviously the amount of the free throw discrepancy with the Tar Heels only shooting three, but the, the total fouls were pretty even 14 to 11. Um, but North Carolina has made uh, a living at the free throw line this season. And so only being able to take three free throws, I thought was um, a major negative for the Tar Heels in that first game. They're going to have to get to the line more in this one. Uh, one of the other big things that happened in that game is that Pete Nance was one of 10 from the field, 0 of five from three in 29 minutes played. He's been bothered by a bad back the majority of this season. And it seems like he's finally getting healthy and confident and has had two really strong back-to-back games, has made 18 free throws in a row as like seven of 10 from the three-point line in those past two. And so that, that was a major factor is not getting any level of production from him. Um, and so Caleb Love and RJ Davis is uh, combined 10 of 31 in that game. They've, they've both got to shoot better. And that's the bottom line for North Carolina. Uh, I'll give you this stat, JJ. When Carolina shoots 35% or better this season from the three-point line, they're 9-0. and When they don't, when they shoot under 35% from three, they're 10 and 11. And so uh, it's not that they can't win if they shoot under 35%, but boy, do those odds go way up if they just get to that 35% mark. And in this game last time, they shot 25.9% from three. And I think Pete Nance is where we need to spend some time in this conversation here, Isaac, because we go back to that first meeting between these two teams. Uh, You and I are both active on Twitter, on social media. We really want people to follow our programs, follow us over there, uh, follow Locked On College Basketball and what we have going on there. I bring up Twitter because the conversation in that first meeting, at least from the Duke perspective, was, hey, in this game, any Pete Nance shot that we have is great for Duke, great for the chances. And Pete Nance found himself you know, kind of off in the corner with North Carolina fans not really wanting him to be a focal point. And now we talk about his performance against Virginia, the big win over a top 10 team that North Carolina had recently. Like he could be a big X factor in not only this game against Duke, but what North Carolina wants to accomplish in the postseason. And that's absolutely correct. I mean, as people well remember, both on the Carolina and Duke side of things, Brady Manick was a huge key for this team last season. Why? Because he is such a true stretch four that um, he was able to clear up space on the interior for Armando Baycott to operate. He was able to clear driving lanes for RJ Davis and Caleb Love and Leaky Black when he decides to drive as well. Um, that Pete Nance just hasn't done that the majority of the year, and it's allowed defenses to sag off him and really gum up the middle for Armando Baycott to not be able to operate and the guards not be able to drive, those kinds of things. And so when Pete Nance is doing what he's done now the past several games, it, it really opens things up and makes the offense flow infinitely more capably. But the question is, is this just a, a two-game uh exception to the rule or are we seeing what Pete Nance has done prior in his career his career numbers suggests that this is water returning to level Um, but this season suggests that these two games are the outlier what's going to happen I don't think any of us know and that's part of what the excitement of this game will be well what's going to happen according to Hubert Davis is that he's going to give Pete Nance more lemon Oreos (laughs) if I've got the story correctly there Isaac lemon Oreos the favorite cookie of one Mr. Pete Nance, and that was a gift to him prior to his 22-point performance against Virginia. 
That's absolutely correct. So one of the things Hubert Davis does <laughs> is he says, I, you can't play for me and I can't coach you as well as possible if I don't know you. So he has each of his players come by once a week for a one-on-one. No, no talk of shop. It's just talking life and how are things and all that kind of stuff. In that conversation with Pete Nance last week, that's where he uncovered Pete Nance's love of Oreos. Well, Pete Nance has a routine where every game day he takes a nap on Coach Davis's office couch before the game. So when Pete came into his office before the game on Saturday, there was a package of lemon Oreos sitting there waiting for him. This whole thing has blown up all week long. (laughs) All my shows this week, I've just been pounding lemon Oreos in my cold open. Uh, In fact, another storyline, Monday of this week, Carolina played at Florida State. When they got to their hotel in Tallahassee, there was a display of lemon Oreos littering the hotel lobby. And so I tracked down the guy who did it, and I had him on the show this week for an interview. And just it's just been a fun storyline for Carolina. And interestingly, it's become more than just a silly round little yellow cookie. It's been something of a, of a rallying cry for, for the Tar Heel family this week. It's been something that was intense. Hey, can we loosen things up and not make it as stressful? And at least the the past week or so, it's been working. Lemon Oreos, you gotta love it. Who knew? I, it's, yeah, who knew? Indeed. So here we go. Duke and North Carolina from the Dean Smith Center tonight, six thirty. You can watch it on ESPN. Uh, we assume that you might be listening and watching to us here on your Saturday morning to get game day started. I'm curious with college game day being on set. How many lemon Oreo signs that we'll see there in the Dean Smith Center throughout the game? Like that's got to be a high number with people, as you mentioned, yeah. the fan base is rallying behind this. Let's set the over under at fifteen. What are you going with, JJ? <laughs> with that many people, expect I might have to take the over on that. I think I might have to. I like that. I'm All with right. you. Last storyline that I want to touch on from the North Carolina perspective. We'll take one quick pause and then we'll come back to to wrap it up here today on this Locked On crossover. Senior day, something that college basketball fans, college sports fans, uh, people in general really adore is senior day moments. There's a pretty significant senior on this North Carolina men's basketball team who wears jersey number five. His name is Armando Baycott. And then you've got a player like Leaky Black, right, who had this a year ago, gets to utilize a COVID-19 year of eligibility. He's back for one last go in the Dean Smith Center. Tell me a little bit about the senior day dynamic. Yeah, well, one of the things that's been a tradition dating back to the Roy Williams era is that every senior on the roster actually starts on senior day. So obviously you will have Leaky Black, you'll have Armando Baycott, you'll have Pete Nance in what is their senior year. But you'll also have Justin McCoy, uh, uh, who transferred from Virginia two seasons ago, who doesn't get to play much, but you will see him in there. You'll also see Dewey Ferris, a a senior walk-on. He'll be in the starting lineup as well. And so typically those guys will play a minute or two, and it always just infuses a little fun energy into the game and into the crowd. And uh, especially like if one of them is able to score, if North Carolina is able to get a lead with that unit on the floor, uh, that'll be a really interesting thing to watch. I mean, with that unit, it'll be interesting to see uh, who actually (laughs) handles the ball. There's no true point guard. Leaky Black has had some point guard duties at times in his career. Um, Also, Jackson Watkins is a senior, I should say, as well. So there's six. So I'm not sure how Coach Davis is going to handle that. Uh, We'll have to watch for that. And Jackson Watkins is a guard, so maybe that's the play. I don't know. So keep your eye on uh, on that six-person senior class. Um, As for the Armando Baycott of it all, 
Um, I mean, he does have a year of COVID eligibility. In fact, on Thursday at, at some media availability, he even said, I don't know if this is my last home game in the Dean Smith Center. I, I really haven't thought too far into the future. I, I don't I think there's a greater than zero percent chance that he returns next year. He loves college. Uh, he makes a crap ton of money <laughs> and uh, there's. He's not on NBA draft boards, so there, there's reason to believe that he might be back uh, patrolling the paint for North Carolina next season. But want to celebrate these guys well. Leaky Black has been like the heart and soul of this team. He's a shy guy, uh, but just he posts every time, uh, and people really love Leaky. He's had an up-and-down career. He's faced ridicule from the fan base, and I just love his perseverance. I myself am a huge Leaky Black fan. Senior day for Duke and North Carolina. Of course, Duke had a senior day game earlier in the week against NC State, uh, where much like uh, Duke, North Carolina will also recognize some senior managers that are involved in the program behind the scenes dynamic to keep that afloat for Duke this season. Uh, pretty slim on those numbers. Jacob Grandison, one of those grad transfers coming over, getting to be recognized, but then four managers in the mix as well. All right, Duke and North Carolina, big matchup. A lot of tournament implications are on the line as well, and we're going to discuss those things after this uh, final timeout here on Locked On Blue Devils and Locked On Tar Heels. Our show today is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best delicious treat that you need to put a part of your daily routine. If you're looking for a healthier snack this year, you've got to try Built. It's actually tasty. These bars are only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Don't wait around to get a box. We've been talking about how you have to go to Built.com for years to order. That's not the case anymore. You can now get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Head there today. Pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs when you're at Walmart. Or you can go to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with all the hit flavors available for you. Again, 100% real chocolate, 13 or 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. Built Bar is a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. Man, JJ, so exciting. You've already mentioned the time, 6.30 Eastern, obviously on ESPN. College game day is going to be there in Chapel Hill. Right now, obviously, we don't have lines yet from our partners at FanDuel, but the Ken Palm line has this game North Carolina by two, meaning up in the air, anything can happen, which is always the case in this rivalry matchup, but that's what we're looking at. As you said, uh, the, the storylines for these teams are, are somewhat different. Uh, Duke right now is looking, you know, in that six, seven-ish NCAA tournament, depending on whose bracketology you look at, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower. North Carolina is essentially in the same position they were in last year for the regular season finale and Coach K's regular season finale, where they're needing, like, hey, we got to get a quad one win to feel good about our chances. Both teams, both fan bases know how that game turned out North Carolina's <laughs> record is not at, at quite as good as it was last year but the the computer numbers are the same it's been a little bit of a tougher record but North Carolina in the 40s in Ken Palm in both of these regular season finales needing needing a win over their arch rivals to feel good about their NCAA tournament hopes and so um, JJ as you look at it fr from the Duke side of things what are what are some W2W4s some what to watch for on the Blue Devil side of things yeah no I, I think Absolutely. When you look at this matchup, can they get? Can the Duke Blue Devils have a, a repeat performance from Derek Lively the second? Can he make as big of an impact on the defensive end of the floor? 
can Duke force North Carolina into taking more of those outside shots and not utilizing Baycott as much in the middle? We mentioned just the three free throw attempts in that first meeting, partly because North Carolina was taking so many pressured, forced outside yeah. shots, right? And you're right that they shoot, you know, they're unbeaten when North Carolina is 35% from the three-point line. But if you're taking tough ones and you're taking a lot of them, you're staying away from the free-throw line and you're taking your best player in Armando Baycott out of the picture. So I think defensively, that is what uh, Duke is looking for here. And, uh, and, and yeah, that, that would be the big what to watch for for me is the impact Derek Lively the second can have, how Duke's defense forces North Carolina into shot selection. And then I always go to the guard play matchups with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis out there on the floor it is paramount that Duke gets another grand performance from Jeremy Roach and Tyrese Proctor in their backcourt. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think that's part of what makes this so fun is, is the backcourt rivalry. Uh, I, man, that performance Jeremy Roach had last time out, I mean, under a little shy of 50% shooting, but man, it just felt like offensively he had the same level of impact that Derek Lively was having defense. Yes. Just timely buckets, um, at some back-breaking moments for the Tar Heels, it felt like. And so, I, I mean, that's that's the key, especially, as you said earlier, with him now not having to always facilitate the offense, but being a little more free at that yeah. shooting guard position uh, is something that Caleb Love's really going to have to work on shutting down there. Isaac, as Duke fans joke about it, but Jeremy Roach, when, when we get into the last 10 seconds or so of the shot clock, this guy turns into Chris Paul, right? A guy that's never known for the three-point shot. But if you get Jeremy Roach 10 seconds on the clock to the free-throw line extended area, it's money. Like, it is a bucket right away. You feel really comfortable with the ball in his hand. So, uh, yeah, that is absolutely a big-time player for me to watch. I want to make sure also, Isaac, as we are looking at this big game here, we mentioned the NCAA tournament picture, but there's still another big hurdle in the way before we get there. Right. And that's the ACC, ACC. tournament. So I, for the Duke perspective here, and then let's switch it over to North yep. Carolina, Duke knows in this situation they cannot finish worse than fifth. Right. There is no formula of results out there possible where Duke <laughs> is not going to be at least a top five team in the ACC standings. They can't quite get to number one, but Duke with some losses from teams ahead of them can climb as high as second which is significant yeah. for you to be one of those top four seeds and to get a double buy into the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament. So for North Carolina fans, if you want another rooting interest, <laughs> if you want to make sure Duke doesn't get a double buy, make sure you defeat Duke so that they can stay in that fifth spot there. But I think that's important. Absolutely. And on the North Carolina side of it, Carolina is locked into somewhere six to eight. Uh, it's funny. It's right now it's piled up. All four North Carolina ACC schools are sitting at positions five through eight in the ACC standings, Duke state Carolina wake. So North Carolina right now is a half game back of the Wolfpack. The Wolfpack are done. They don't play this weekend. They're 12 and eight in conference play and then a full game ahead of wake right now, but the Tar Heels split 
with both State and Wake Forest this season. And so um, if the if the teams stay tied, if North Carolina gets the win and is tied with NC State at sixth, it goes to whomever finishes atop the ACC standings and their records against that team, which right now it's a little bit of a mess going back to that Notre Dame win over Pittsburgh we talked about earlier with Pitt, Miami, and UVA all tied at 14 and five with Clemson and Duke as, as we were looking at just right behind there at 13 and six. So uh, still up in the air for Carolina seating could go as high as six or as low as eight. On the Carolina side of things, one of the things I'm looking at in terms of actual gameplay is I think the Tar Heels felt really good about their ability to limit Kyle Filipowski last time. Shot just four of 14, one of three from three um, to finish with 14 points, which is great, but had to take 14 shots to do it. I, I think there's probably like a nervousness of like, can that happen again? And when you have somebody like Leaky Black out there, like what are those defensive assignments, especially now uh, with Dariq Whitehead back in the mix, although he's not been starting, correct, JJ? Dariq That's correct. The Off the bench, yeah. And so, so we'll just have to watch some of those rotations and defensive assignments. But, you know, you, you handled Filipowski well, you feel like, last time. But can you do that again? And then factoring in Dariq Whitehead, who you didn't see last time, and what he'll bring to the table for John Shire's Blue Devil team. And then ultimately, as far as Carolina handling their own business, can they get Armando Baycott going well? Can Caleb Love and RJ Davis really have, I call them Davis Love the third. It's their third year. Davis Love the third is a Carolina graduate. And so it just adds up and makes sense. But can these guys have an efficient game? Can they win the battle of the backcourt? I think that could play a major role in the on Saturday evening. Can't wait. It's going to be a blast. It's always a television product that you don't want to miss. <laughs> no matter where you're at. So Saturday night, tonight, 6.30 on ESPN, 6.30 Eastern time. Make sure you're checking out uh, Duke in North Carolina. We'll see if uh, Duke can go into Chapel Hill, make some noise, or if the Tar Heels will come out victorious on senior day with the ACC tournament looming next week. With hopefully no overtime game leading into the festivities <laughs> yeah, this year. Absolutely, as- <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, man. For my man, J.J. Jackson, I'm Isaac Shade, locked on Blue Devils, locked on Tar Heels crossover. Again, cannot believe the regular season is at an end, but it all means that it's March and things are happening. Hope you all have a great weekend, and we'll both be back with you on our shows on Monday. Until then, peace out.